The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right, welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell the untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. Joining me today is Nicole Rodriguez, who's the CEO and founder of the NRPR Group. Okay, yesterday, Nicole and I talked about the first ever Yahoo Mommy Blogger campaign. It was super interesting. But today we want to talk about Hulu and why they're creating original content. I also want to get in with Nicole about PR strategies, what we can use in PR, what we should be looking for in a partner. Let's break it down because you've heard both of us uh, get on a soapbox and say how important PR is for any business and how we think it's it's certainly a missed opportunity for most brands, definitely most mid-sized and startup companies as well. So Let's get into it, Nicole. We could have gone forever yesterday, but let's pause the Hulu thing a little bit and let's go back to some of the things we were talking about yesterday. And then we'll get into why Hulu is creating original content. But I'm just about what people need to be looking at for partnering with a PR company and PR strategies. Like, help someone's like, there's a marketer, they're listening to the show, and they're like, you know what? I'm looking into PR now. Help coach them on this show just really quick about what should they be looking for? How should they be thinking about it? Uh, we kind of got into it a little bit yesterday, but I, th- I kind of want to finish that point. Yeah, I love it. Great question. So I can go back to when we were discussing sort of that one hit wonder, right? When you're looking for a PR firm or a PR partner, know that the more press hits that you have over time, the higher the sort of brand elevation and awareness will be. One hit in Wall Street Journal will be something to celebrate for about five minutes. And then another round of Wall Street Journal sort of stories are going to come around and then people are going to forget. And yes, it's going to be great that you can say as seen in the Wall Street Journal. But don't you want to be seen in multiple outlets over the course of time and also be welcomed back to speak to the Wall Street Journal? The only way to be able to do that is to continue that sort of PR push over time and make sure that you don't forget the media who are in your backyard, right? Don't forget the people who cover your trade and then start looking at also the wider business outlets. And I get it. There are a lot of, let's say, CEOs, founders who want to impress investors, potential investors. You can impress them by having volumes of coverage, right? Hey, by the way, the LA Business Journal covers us just about at least three or four times a year. 
because we're innovating or they're covering the new things that we're doing. We also have all of these tech blogs that know and love us. We also have had this great hit in TechCrunch. So you have this sort of machine that is constantly creating PR. If you can't find a PR partner that says they can do that for you, then that PR firm is going to say, we'll get you a hit here, here, here. They're going to charge you a bunch of money for it. You might get that Wall Street Journal hit out of some sort of nuanced sort of pitch. Or, you know, I did see it was one of our our clients had said, well, we want to get something like this. Like our competitor just got in this lineup on Parents Magazine. And I looked at that hit and I was like, that hit didn't even explain their business. And they have no other coverage. If you look on the back end, you can see that they have no other coverage. So they got some nuanced hit in Parents Magazine. That's just because you recognize the logo doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be a great hit for your business, right? So when you're looking for partners, you have to know that the right ones can build out a strategy for you. They can build multiple storylines for you. They should be able to build messaging. They should understand how to basically regurgitate your story back to you and make it sound better so that they can then coach you on how to get more press. That is a good PR partner, right? And for those CEOs who are impatient and just want a one-hit wonder, you're going to be looking for a new partner later because they might be able to get one or two great hits for you, but you're going to get bored in that in-between time. I think that's really helpful for how marketing people need to be selling PR to their CEOs or CEOs to a board. We're just marketing professionals as we look to partner with other PR people. What should we think about in terms of strategy and expectations? And it's a longevity game in PR. And I agree with you. And building brands hard, everybody wants that the water faucet to be turned on, uh, right. right? That we live in a society where we want, you know, we want DoorDash delivered to our house and we click the damn button, right? And that's just that that's not how PR works. Um, right. So if you, are a performance marketing, PPC, return on ad spend person, and that's where you live and breathe, and that's your bias, then PR is probably not a good fit for you. But if you think about long-term and you can you can take a longevity approach, I think that's really good advice for our marketers. One thing I heard the other day that I, I wanted to add in, because I'm fascinated. I'm reading a book right now, and a bunch of people have told me to read this book. And it's called The Psychology of Money. It's really interesting but one of the points where they talked about Warren Buffett and why Warren Buffett's uh, one of the richest men in the world, one of the richest people, persons in the world, is longevity. I mean, he started investing at 10 and now he's in his 80s, right? So he has had a longevity of investing. And he only had like maybe in today's equivalency, like $8 million by the time he was 30. And he was like 1.8, you know, in that Errors money in today's world have been like 8 million. But yeah, 10 to 30. So it took him 20 years to get to a couple million. And then from, you know, 30 now to 80, there's been a lot of other investors who over the course of 10 years or 20 years have had much higher returns than, than Warren Buffett. But it's all about consistency over a long period of time. Right. I think that's what you're saying the key mm -hmm. to PR is. I think that's how our marketers need to go into PR partnerships. What should they look for in terms of a PR professional, is there any red flags out there? How should they consider partnering with different PR people out there? Should they be an industry specialist? Should they be a generalist? Should they have a mix of 
kind of traditional pitching and influencer capabilities. I've seen a lot of controversy around social and PR. Are they together or should social be a different thing? Help us understand how to integrate a PR partner into the mix and what we should be looking for in terms of partnership. Yep. Really, really great question. So first of all, PR and social media are separate, but should work together and should know how each other works. And the reason I say that is because PR is a a very, how do I say, it's a very specific and strategic sort of industry, right? You are trying to get media, right? And sometimes the media kind of teeter on are they an influencer and blogger? They kind of play in the same sandboxes. But ultimately, you are trying to get a story told. You are trying to get some sort of collaboration going. Social media is mostly dependent on building numbers, building traffic, posting content, right? Here, you're trying to get someone else to create something, right? You're trying to get a journalist to create something, a story. You're trying to get sort of a blogger to maybe put something on their their website. You're trying to get a podcast to put an expert on. Two separate things. But guess what? When that media person writes, where do you want to share it? On social media. You want to make sure that social media becomes your amplifier. So I think it's important that PR people know how social media is done. And social media people should understand how PR is earned. But they shouldn't say that they are in and the same. They're just not. Couldn't agree more. And I've made a mistake here. I've had full service agency for 15 years and I've had PR and social together. I've separated them out. I've now integrated creative. And I've had some of the same hard lessons learned. And I still think it's a great topic for debate. And social media to me now is one of the greatest ad platforms in the world. Um, Yes. It's built for advertising. Yes. Um, So, you know, to me, social media is about a a content marketing strategy. And I'm going to underline the content. And then you're thinking about amplification in an advertising uh, standpoint. And PR is one additional point of content that's being endorsed by a third party that you can then amplify in your social channel. So PR is giving you distribution and eyeballs plus an endorsement that then, because you can say anything you want about how great you are, but you know it means something when the yeah. media, even today with some distrust of media, it still means something when someone else is saying it. And that takes hard work. Absolutely. Okay, let's get into Hulu. Talk to us about why why did Hulu create original content? Yeah, so I'm not sure if you remember back, I want to say this was 2012. I want to say it was 2012. So almost 11 years ago, Netflix was sort of the, the front runner when it came to original content, right? So... Nicole, are you in San Francisco or LA? LA now. I started in... Yes. I started in the San Francisco Bay Area and I realized that there was there was a, 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 a gap that needed to be filled, right? Someone who understood what was going on in entertainment and also understood what was going on with tech and could speak yep. both languages. So That makes sense. I was going to say, I mean, you know, the Netflix and the Hulu being in LA, Silicon Beach, obviously, yep. having kind of the entertainment hat on as well as kind of the tech hat as those two things are merging. Yep. Okay. Yes. So... Netflix had originals and Hulu knew, and I think a lot of the streaming platforms knew that eventually original content was going to be where people could differentiate. It wasn't just going to be how much content from all the other studios can we gobble up and put 
on the platforms, right? And it because content was and still is king, right? And so Hulu, I believe there were nine, I want to say there were nine shows when we first launched originals, period. Mm. It wasn't just one. There were a handful of shows. So there was one by Seth Meyers. It was an animated show. So and you had a lot of the characters from Saturday Night Live who were all sort of superheroes in this animated show. Then you had uh, Eva Longoria and it was about motherhood, right? And so she had an animated show. And then there was a like a Cowboys series. None of these by which right now still sort of live on, right? It's not like they've had like season 11 of any of that. But they got great talent to basically back some of these originals. I remember we were in New York and we had an awesome, like, uh, how do I say this? Like media junket where Eva Longoria was there. Seth Meyers was there. Grant Corden was there because he had a show. So we had a great, a bunch of great personalities and we rented out this massive loft and Basically, it was like the reporters would go from area to area. Eva was sitting here. You had the Saturday Night Live crew over here. You had the crew from the Western over here. And you had People Magazine and all of these sort of journalists. They all came at once and they each got a chance to sit with each of the the creators and crews from each of the original shows and started building the relationship. We gave them the first few episodes to watch earlier than their actual release date so that they had time to actually write about them. And I think that's one thing that people forget about PR. When you're doing it right, you need to work time into your plan. You can't just say, well, let's write a press release and tell everyone Eva Longoria has an animated series and see who, who writes about it. People take for granted that journalists are human too, and they have schedules, they have lives, they need to work around these things. So we gave them ample amount of time and it was awesome. We got hundreds of press hits and hundreds of press that were like, please keep us posted as more series started coming out. And so so we did, I would say on the PR side, we crushed it. I think it was all strategy and timing. And we gave the media what they needed, which was assets, time, and the right information, always within the right sort of time span. And that was actually one of the things that gave me the guts to start my own agency. I was like, if this is something that I can manage and wrangle for a company as large as Hulu, while also doing PR for YouTube, I'm like, Nicole, you know what you're doing. Get going, start your firm. What a great story. And I love when people in our business start client side. I work for CBS. A lot of people for our agency have worked both client and agency side. I think that's important to have a client perspective, a client point of view, because you know the challenges to getting work sold in uh, to yes. upper management. Boy, uh, so much to break down. You know, Hulu, as we know, was really a content aggregator for a long time. And, and they were using the power of Comcast and NBC and others to put to, to try to battle Netflix. And Netflix was the original content play. So it makes sense strategically why they would do that. And I hear what you're saying in terms of being able to leverage PR and really have something to talk about and having a long-term strategy for something to talk about, about just another added benefit of Hulu, not just having a streaming provider that is not cable anymore. I couldn't agree more with what you said. And I, I wanted to jump in a few times about 
can we have the death of the press release and the death of the <laughs> press conference? Because it's pretty arrogant of us to think that reporters care. We need to fit in kind of what we're trying to get story-wise. I mean, reporters now, they just have so much going on. We need to help get them the information and let them publish it when it makes sense instead of just giving them one day or one hour <laughs> to cover something right. that's insane. Yeah. Not just that, but Scott, you bring up a great point. You need to make the press release an option. Yes. Because what people do is, well, the press release doesn't work. I blasted it to 500 people. It didn't yeah. do anything. The press release isn't supposed to do the work. Well, it's not 1980. It's not yeah. 1980. And people aren't sitting by their fax machine waiting for your press release. You have yeah. to have it written and it has to be good so that if someone asks for it, the purpose of the press release is just to have all the facts in one place. The who, why, what, when, where, why. Right. So it's funny because I was having the same conversation with other PR people and they're like, it's not about the press release anymore and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's funny that you say that because press releases by themselves don't work. You're mm -hmm. right. You write a press release and you expect the world to care. No. What is the actual story and how does the press release just back it up with facts? If you can pitch a really great bit of news, Hulu is about to launch nine originals, blah, 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 and you give a little blurb and a pitch, do you want to learn more? If they say yes, the press release is the best thing to follow up with because they've asked for it. Not because you're shoving it down their throat in a blast and expecting they're going to read it. They don't even, what, what are you sending me? So that is where I think people are getting it wrong. Like, yeah, you're right. Press releases don't work if that's how you're doing it. Yeah, there's, it's so funny how many times PR people have to kind of train their clients around some of this stuff. And it's almost like you're trying to sell something and you have, you know, you give your prospect that you're selling something to a certain time and place, they have to come to your house and see what you're selling. It's, it's kind of... Yeah. Okay. Well, let's... Again, we're going long. We've we've talked about a ton of things. I think we got into some technical kind of PR stuff. I think it's important because I think people miss the boat a lot. Are you doing influencer work as well? Do you consider that kind of media as well? Same. It's, it's all of the above. Yeah. So, and it, it really depends on how you're doing that, right? But yes, at the end of the day, influencer work is definitely... PR. Why is that? Because like a journalist, you want this influencer to create something for your client, with your client or whatever. And sometimes money is going to exchange hands because essentially this is how the influencers and creators make money. This is their job. So managing that, excuse me, is really part of, I would say, it depends on the marketing mix and the type of company. A lot of B2C companies, yes, you're going to want to do this. Like we worked with a company called um, Love Tribe and they were sort of like a teen and tween clothing brand sold in Macy's and things like that. And they had this really great collaboration with Nickelodeon. And what we wanted was for some of these sort of teen and tween fashion bloggers to try on the clothes, say if they mm -hmm. like them, make some content, whatever. Some of them expected a cash exchange in which we made sure that everything on their pages said ad and was very clear. And some of them were like, yeah, this is really great. The next time I make a video, I'll just be wearing it. Like, thank you so much for the t-shirt. So managing that. And then again, the KPIs, the reach and impressions, 
that was really how how they measured whether or not there was a success. And again, some of these creators also write. So they did little reviews or they talked about the the time they went to the beach and they wore this really fun shirt and whatever with Nickelodeon. So yes, I do definitely consider, but I think that you have to be smart about which brands you actually ignite that for. It doesn't work for every brand. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna give people all the tools on this episode to hire their PR partner. Last question, and we're just getting right to the point. And you can choose how you want to answer this. But what do you think, like a low, medium, and high healthy PR budget? I mean, obviously, I think people at Netflix and Hulu and you know people we work with at, at our agencies that they understand what PR budgets you know need to look like. But kind of these mid-market folks or challenger brands, how should they be thinking about a PR annual budget? Yep. That is a really great question. Let me put this out there for those of you who are working in-house and who have never worked at an agency or been a senior person at an agency. Here's one thing that I want to tell you all. If you are hiring a PR agency and those agencies have investors you are automatically losing 30% of your budget to the margins that they need to create for their investors, period. So imagine taking 30% of the money that you're writing and burning it. I just want you to know that because these are the questions you have to ask. Do you have investors and investor basically goals that you have to meet? And if the answer is yes, run. Go find an agency that doesn't have investors. Their, their margins can be lower. So here's the other thing that you want to do. You want to make sure that if you're hiring a consultant, think about how much it costs to live in the world and how much it costs to run a business. Please don't offer this consultant $1,000 a month and expect that they can live. Do not offer them $3,000. Like if you are trying to get an agency Anything under $5,000 is not a real thing. An agency has employees. It has overhead. It has payroll. So if you want a healthy agency, $8,000 a month, this is across New York, California, whatever. I've done a ton of research because I have friends who own agencies. If you are paying an agency less than $8,000 a month, you're getting a small rinky-dink agency that knows that they don't know the big stuff. They know that, which is why they know they have to charge $5,000, period. An agency that knows what they're doing will not take less than $8,000 a month for your business. Maybe if you're an individual and you just want a little bit of thought leadership, you can get away with you know maybe seven, dollars $8,000 a month. But if you're a tech startup and you're looking for an agency to do $5,000 worth of work for you a month, you're getting the bottom, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Hitting gold with the, uh, a freelancer, which occasionally I have from an agency in your industry segment at that three to five grand a month. It's a unicorn. It's a, it's a one in 20 shot. It happens. It happens. Um, and that's an individual. Yes. If, yeah, if your budget is three to five, find a great contractor. You're right. Find one person. Because that, yes. that is a good amount of money for a single person. And I agree with you. You know, the, the best national agencies, you know, the Allison Partners that, again, are have investors. And I love what you said. Look, we are an independent agency. And I make it very clear. I'm like, why do you say you're independent? Like, who cares? Because it matters. Because I don't have investors and shareholders to answer to. I own That's all right. the companies. 
I'm not publicly traded. I'm not, I don't have private equity that's trying to flip us. And so what does that mean? Well, I can hire people that cost more, that are really good talent, that have worked at mm-hmm. big agencies, and I can charge less. And so you that's get right. the same talent, the same services, the same quality work for less. Just because I don't have I don't have to make profits and I can ride the ups and downs of the business. So I love that you okay. said that. So listen for PR agencies who are independent, who don't have shareholders to answer to. I agree with you that I would even say 10 grand a month and up uh, yes. for a real independent agency that, that has experience within your uh, vertical or you have confidence that are going to do it. So I think this is a great... I'm glad we dove into this because I think it's important. And I know there's a lot of marketers out there who are always looking for the right specialized partner and they're not budgeting enough and they're not going back and to their CFO or whoever and asking for more budget or they're doing too too much shit. They have too many tactics. Yeah. So look, if you do it right, don't freaking do it. You know, Maybe you can't do paid social at the level you want and PR. Maybe the paid's going to go down. The other just quick thing I want to say is if you're creating content with no distribution model in mind, that's a huge mistake. If you're just creating totally. content and no one freaking follows you, you're wasting that time. Put that money into PR. So again, we've gone all over the place, but I do think it was important for people to talk to a real PR pro in San Francisco and LA and big agencies with big ass clients. And we can just have a closed door meeting here with 5,000 people and just uh, tell people how we should be thinking about PR so we can maximize eyeballs and credibility to our brand. So huge thank you to Nicole Rodriguez, who's the CEO and founder. Um, Congratulations on on your own independent firm, NRPR. Thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance while listening to this podcast uh, to take notes, I definitely wouldn't be. I'd just be listening. So just go to our website, rebrandpad.com, and we'll have summaries and episodes of all our guests and contact information. Uh, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you want to talk about the most impactful marketing campaign, apply to be a guest speaker at the Rebrand Podcast. You can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at rebrandpod on all the channels, or you can find me on Twitter at SharkyAZ or Instagram or TikTok or LinkedIn, just Scott Harkey. Not the financial Scott Harkey, who I've got to meet and send notes back and forth to, but the marketing discovery. If you haven't subscribed, again, hit that subscribe button. That's our main KPI. We've got almost 5,000 marketers who subscribe to this community. So subscribe. That's our main KPI. We want to create great content where people are learning. Some might be for you. Others might not. Maybe you want to learn about Amazon agency. Maybe you want to learn PR agency. Maybe you just want to hear about brand. Maybe you want to hear about a CMO and how they've taken a brand to market. You can pick and choose over here. So if you subscribe, you can go and just see if something is relevant to you. We want to build the best marketing community on the planet. That's our goal. So if we're cutting it, let us know. If we're not, and we need to improve the show. We're always improving. We've improved audio quality. We've improved guests. We've improved process. Uh, We want to get better every day. And that's our promise and our goal. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.